Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 50 of Louvre Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild ride through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to finish off this week and possibly finish off Neil <laughs> is, is David Brooke of Blueprint Review. Welcome back to the show, David. Hello, I'm ready to um, finish what we started yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I, I want to point out that, first of all, I'm, I'm very happy that we've reached the, the, the 50 episode mark. That, that I think is great also. Nice. You know, we've, earlier this week, we passed the, the halfway mark of, of this whole show. But 50, 50 episodes is great. Now, again, this is one of the best minutes of the entire movie. The whole movie is amazing. There's no question about that. But, but this one just really hammers in how great of a writer John Hughes is, how great of an actor Steve Martin is, you know, and how they're able to just put something together so well. Now, what I was also amazed is the way that these minutes break up, they break up perfectly. You know, I, I, obviously it would have been great to have this entire scene cut together. You know, what we talked about yesterday through part of the minute and what we're talking about today. But if you can't have that, this is the best way to break it up. You know, you have Steve Martin's first diatribe about one if you had a car, you know, four fucking wheels and, and a seat. The minute cuts and the way this one begins, this minute begins with, you know, we get Edie McClure's face as she's getting ready to respond. The minute goes all the way till Neil exiting the airport. It's a great place for the the 50 minute mark to, to begin. Yesterday we had Neil's diatribe. And then we get the shot of the, the car rental woman, Edie McClure, and she responds to him and says, I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. So this enrages Neil even more than, than anything else that happened. It, you know, and his response is, and I really don't care for the way that your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really don't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway and to get back here to have you smile in my fucking face. I want a fucking car right now. And again, his delivery here is perfect. The way that he does this is just amazing. Now, I, I a few months ago, I was doing research for this movie and I came across, there's a YouTube video from Emma Stone when she was on Jimmy Kimmel Live, she apparently knows this entire scene by heart and she recited it on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Now, everyone, nice. yeah, everyone listening here is also going to hear everything get beeped out, just like, you know, hers is beeped out because she was on, you know, uh, regular TV, but it's still great to, to watch the way that she does it. And hopefully people are enjoying it the way that, that we're doing, we're talking about it also. <laughs> And as he's saying all this to her, she really takes it in, you know, in a very interesting way. The way that she's she's just looking at him, mm. you know, and she's. I, I think you can see the way that her mind is 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 racing to. Okay, how do I respond to something like this? You know, what 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 do you do when you're you're a, you're dealing with customers? You're a customer service agent. How does one respond in this type of situation? And I, I think she, she does it very admirably the way that she responds to him, you know, at the beginning where she says, I really don't care for the way that you're speaking to me. 
you know, she she doesn't get upset. She's saying it matter-of-factly. She's basically saying, respect me and respect the fact I'm not the one who's doing this to you. This is, you know, let's let's try and find a solution. But he doesn't even want to do anything about that. He wants to vent as much as possible. And, I mean, there are even parts where you can think mm, I... that she's looking sympathetically at him, you know, despite the way that, that he's talking, because she tries to, I guess, remain professional as much as possible. Yeah, although I kind of get the feeling, there's a specific shot um, uh, kind of early on, where the, the bit where she's scratching her head with a pen. Well, that's a Ferris me, Bueller. Kind of that's a, that's a Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah, but I think the kind of look she's giving him there, to me, is a bit more like, she, she's starting to seem a bit powerful now. I, I wonder if in her mind now, she's, she, she, she's almost thinking... Um, she's obviously not happy with this guy just swearing in her face. But the look she gives there, there's almost like a bit of a, almost a, a look of power in my mind. In my mind, I think she knows she's about to say, she's about to screw him over and um, and knows that uh, he's not right. really working. I, I love the way her eyebrows go up and you see the, you know, all the eye makeup also, yeah. it, it, you know, it covers more ground by the way that, that, that it moves up like that. She she yeah. does that really well. So I, I actually wanted to talk a little yeah. bit about, first of all, you know, we, we just heard Neil say 10 more times the word fuck in 30 seconds. So altogether, within 47 seconds, I think, he says the word fuck 18 different times. And that is the reason why this movie <laughs> is rated R. <laughs> There's no question yeah. about that. I decided... To do a little bit of research into what the word fuck actually means, where it came from. Okay. Now, what do you know about that? You have you have any idea where what the etymology of it is, where it originally came from? I'd like to say it's it's of Norse origin, but I might be wrong. Um, I know a lot of the English swear words come from uh, the Vikings coming over and invading, uh, but I might be wrong. Okay, well, I mean, again, all the research that I did says that there's really no way of knowing exactly where it came from. They have a lot of different conjectures as to where it came from. Okay, so first of all, the word usually refers to sexual intercourse, but it is also commonly used as an intensifier or to convey disdain, which I think fits in with what Neil has done here. You know, yeah. no question about that. They people originally thought that it was first used in 1475 CE, but no one is able to really prove when it really started being used. What's interesting about the word is is that it can be used as a noun, it can be used as a verb, it can be used as an adjective, it can be used as an interjection, or it can even be used as an adverb, which is pretty rare. You, you don't have very many words that have five different types of of formats for the type of the word. There are a lot of common phrases that employ the word with compounds to incorporate it. And that, that also helps to extend the, the word itself. You know, like you'd say maybe fuck off or fuck up, fuck with motherfucker, things like that. And it's pretty much considered by most people to be offensive and vulgar. It's not allowed to be said on TV or radio broadcasts in America. But what's interesting is, is that the Supreme Court in America ruled that uh, the term is actually protected under the First and Fourteenth Amendments, where people are allowed to say whatever they want, or your freedom of speech. The etymology, that's what we were talking about, that it's probably 
a amalgamation of a lot of Germanic words that generally mean striking, rubbing, or actually having sex. They give a list here of a whole bunch of different words that are that are similar from Germanic languages. So you have words from German, Dutch, Afrikaans, Icelandic, Norwegian, Swedish. Basically, they, they say that, it, that what that probably means is that it does come from a more common Germanic word, which they think comes from the root fug, which means to blow, which is something that, that came from an Indo-European word named pug, which means to strike. And so they said that they, they it probably was mixed together between a, a few of them, and that's where it eventually came from. Now, I found it more interesting, the fact that there are so many false etymologies for the word okay, which one of them is the one, one of the ones that I actually thought is where it originally came from. So apparently it has been used so more extensively in comic speech. So it's very difficult to actually find a traceable way of finding its origin. There are a lot of different urban legends as to what the false etymology is. Some people say that it was originally an acronym. Okay. Some people say that, that the word for actually came from Irish law, which they basically said that if a couple was caught committing adultery, they would be punished for unlawful carnal knowledge, okay, in the nude, which is where the word means in. So it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it fits with, with the abbreviations. And they would actually write the, that word on top, F-C-K-I-N, on the stocks when the, the people were, were put in those stocks, you know, so that everyone would know that this is what they did. I guess it's their sort of their scarlet A, yeah. something like that. It's the Scarlet F. <laughs> so, some people think that it was, came from the where in the church that they would write forbidden use of carnal knowledge. And then there was another one which says that it actually is dealing with royal permissions that were granted in the Middle Ages during the Black Death and things like that, which basically the, it's an abbreviation of fornication under consent of the king, which is the one that I had heard before. I, I knew that phrase beforehand. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. There's another false etymology. It was originally known as pluck you, okay? But but it was, you is Y-E-W, which is something that apparently the when the French would capture English archers, they would cut off their index and middle fingers so that they could no longer use their, their longbows. <laughs> that they would basically say back to them, uh, pluck you, you meaning Y-E-W is a type of wood is the material that was used to create that, that they made longbows out of. So apparently that it started off saying pluck you and turned out to what we now say is fuck you instead. But apparently <laughs> nobody knows when it was started, when they started using the word. It's been used so much over the years. And I don't think it's something that that, that is going to basically leave the common languages I mean, it's something that that's always said. Yeah. There was actually a case in 1971 in the U.S. where a man was arrested. He was arrested in 1968, but the the court case in the Supreme Court was in 71, where he was the, he was convicted of disturbing the peace because he had a jacket on him protesting the Vietnam War that said F the draft. And eventually, the Supreme Court ruled that because of First Amendment, you know, free speech, that you were allowed to walk around with a shirt or a jacket that has that slogan on it because of free speech. Now, another thing that I found was that there's a whole bunch of different phrases that are used instead. Like a lot of TV shows will will use 
a different word instead in order to to make it sound as if this is what we're saying, but we're not really saying it. Do you, do you have any ideas? Do you have any suggestions on some of those words, what they might be? Well, there's, oh, there's quite a few. In, in the UK as well, uh, there's a watershed in the UK where you're, I don't know if they still, if it's still, if they still have it, but you could only have strong swear words after nine o'clock. So after nine o'clock, anything goes, but, um, but, you'd, it, but you'd get... On, um, on regular TV? Yeah, on regular TV, yeah. But occasionally they, um, although they, they'd sometimes they'd sometimes censor them anyway, certain channels in particular. I can always remember that the most famous one for me is um, Die Hard. They used to edit the uh, the, the famous uh, Yippikai motherfucker. <laughs> used to always be Yippikai, Yippikai Kimusabi. <laughs> used to change it to that. It's just, there's, there's some hilarious cases of, of swear words being turn into loads of strange words i think i can't remember what film it is but there's a couple of um oh no i think i think it's repo man um i think on the blu-ray you can actually watch the censored version where they've censored out all the swear words with weird and wonderful kind of words because i think uh, alex cox actually did it himself because he thought it'd be amusing and he kind of it uh is it's done sort of no oh, well wow. made his own that's really funny. Uh, made his own Right, so they have, they have a list here of all the of various substitutes that are used. So you have flippin', friggin', frickin', freakin', feck, fudge, flaming, forget, or any other number of, of similar-sounding nonsense words. And they said, but in print, it's more difficult. So a lot of times you'll have F with three asterisks or F with one asterisk or, or F line, you know, F-K. Or things like that, or sometimes they would just have, you know, non-alphanumeric characters. You know, you have yeah, uh, yeah. different symbols. You know, they use that. They use that a lot in like comics and things like that, where someone's swearing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this that they're saying the word. F- they're saying any type of swear word or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I must flip, flip, and flipping. I must, I must admit that flipping is one that I use quite a bit. Uh, Especially since I've had kids and I've, I've tried to tone down my swearing, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I flipping, flipping neck and <laughs> stuff like that is a. Is definitely one I use quite a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. So basically at this point, she looks at him and, you know, she says it very calmly, you know, and, and I think that if someone came into my office and said this entire diatribe that he said, and they said it to me this way, I would not respond so calmly. <laughs> no. And she just basically says, may I see your rental agreement? And then he goes, I threw it away. Now, why would someone do that? <laughs> you'd yeah. think you'd think that even though Neil is in such a bad situation, you'd think that he would still think about the fact that he doesn't need to throw away his rental agreement. That's why I think it probably is that thing he's holding when he chucks it in his rage. Um, right, no, obviously. Uh, yeah. Because you yeah. seem to throw it away. So I guess, in the, yeah, in the frustration, you might not have noticed it had gone and gone back to get it, I guess. It kind of makes sense, but yeah. Yeah. No, like, why would he assume that they know that it's him? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, something like, I don't know. True, true. So he says, I threw it away. And then she turns to him and says, oh, boy. And then he looks at her and goes, oh, boy, what? (laughs) And then she looks at him very calmly and says, you're (laughs) fucked. Which obviously is something we've been saying for the last 49 episodes. Yes. And it's the perfect punchline to that whole sequence. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that that's also the reason why I chose it as the tagline for this movie because it for this whole podcast because it works so perfectly. It's something, you know, some some of our guests you wouldn't expect them to say it. So it works that way also the same way. It's it's a shocking tagline, I guess you can say. 
And this movie does a great job because Edie McClure is not the person you would think that would be saying it. Mm. No, I think, no question about that. Well, I think they, it, it's it's a kind of testament to the skill of the performers and the kind of the writing as well as well because because it's it's having kind of having otherwise polite characters and usually kind of old people or kids usually in other cases um, swearing. It's kind of it's kind of a, a fairly well worn kind of gag, and it, uh, it, it can be in that way. In my mind, it can be, often be a bit of a cheap gag. It's an easy way of getting a laugh, just getting some kid or some like ninety year old grandma just randomly dropping an f bomb or something. It has been done in other films, um, less successfully, but here they just nail it. I think partly the lengthy kind of build up of frustration leading to it because you know how much has gone wrong to Neil at this point and it's just built and built the frustration and you the audience feels that like if if I was if all that had happened to me I'd be pissed off and swearing at people and um so it works in that sense um well although I guess if we talk about um Edie rather than Neil as being the one but it's both of them really you don't expect Neil to be launching into the, all those swear words either no 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 um, but it just does it so well. The performers, the actors, just sell it so well that it—it's it, just—it is the classic scene that it—that it is. Even if, if kind of just throwing in swear words randomly can sometimes be kind of lazy gag writing. It's—it it is not. It works perfectly here. Yeah, completely. I mean, they—they they, people were trying to convince John Hughes to take this scene out, and he wouldn't do it. And I'm I'm quite glad that he didn't because this is such yeah. an amazing scene. I was going to say I'm really surprised that he was allowed to do it by producers and things um, by the studios because you'd have thought, as you say, it is literally what makes it an R-rated movie, which would which would scare a lot of. Um, I mean, especially the I think definitely if it was made these days, I just don't think it'd happen because the studios are so concerned with making everything PG-13 and so that you can get a bigger audience and stuff it's a uh, they're scared of making r-rated movies it's and because yeah. it's purely r-rated from one little scene that is it's not actually as brilliant it is you could argue it's not actually needed but um certainly not the swearing but um but at the same time it is that it's a real killer joke and it's right in the middle of the film it just a centerpiece of the film yeah uh, and it's i i'm so glad they left it in but but i'm but equally i'm very surprised um that a studios would would do it i, I guess john hughes had the, the kind of heft and uh, sway in those days he'd had enough success maybe if he if this is one of his first directorial films he wouldn't have got away with it and they wouldn't have let him but um uh obviously he had to he had the weight by this point yeah i i it makes me wonder what made him think of doing this type of 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 scene, you know, because unless again, in none of his other movies, the word fuck like is said, you know, it's not unless it's something he'd wanted to say for a long time. And as I say, he didn't have the clout until then to, to get it in there. So he said it, let's say, had in his let's say it 18 times in, in one movie and get it out, get it out, get it over with. <laughs> yeah, maybe get it out. And then, and I guess because I, I, I guess because a lot of his other, his other films were kind of dealing with teenagers and things, he was probably less likely to get, um, swear words past the um past the studios because they would instantly think this film stars teenagers we want to sell it to teenagers who so maybe he just wasn't allowed and this is and because this is a film about a pair of adults so he, was, he could get away with it maybe yeah maybe that's true yeah, i think that, no. that that does work i mean again we'll get into the script the script is slightly different here so a little little spoiler for people we'll tease we'll, we'll get there and at this point then the the rest of this minute is 12 seconds of neil walking 
through the airport, you see that he looks defeated. He realizes that he really is. There's no question about it. You know, he wasn't able to to get that rental car, no matter what he does. This last little bit, you also get the kind of hip hop theme coming. I almost see it as the kind of like, um, let's carry on the carry on the the journey. Let's carry on the kind of madness kind of theme. It kicks in again. Yeah. The hip hop. Yeah, and then he, he we see him walk out of the airport itself and walk towards the curb before the the minute ends. Quite a nice nice tracking shot to bring us out of it. Yes, that is definitely true. They do a nice job with that. All right. So, you have anything else you want to say about this minute, David? Uh, no. I, I think I think I think we covered it pretty well. I think. Sure. Uh, yeah. Great. So, in the script, there there are a few slight discrepancies here. First of all, it starts off by saying the girl regains her composure, clears her throat, fidgets with her uniform skirt, and then instead of saying, uh, "I don't like the way you're speaking to me," she says, "I don't like the way you're talking to me." Again, minor discrepancy. But Neil's whole diatribe at this point is slightly different it's varied he basically says he first of all they add in another in there it's because he, he says i don't really care for the way you're fucking company instead because in the movie he says i really don't care for the way you're company mm. so interesting that that you know i guess you know they didn't want to cross the line by doing 19 times 18 was enough <laughs> I don't know. So they add that one. That, and then within his diatribe, he also says, I'm a pretty f- nice guy under normal circumstances, and I have nothing against you except your f- happy demeanor too violently illustrates to me how miserable I am. So, I mean, again, I'm glad that they took it out because this, the way that Steve Martin delivers everything really flows very well. Mm. But that says a lot about his character, the fact that they have that in there. Yeah. You know, because he's basically saying that the reason I'm acting this way is because of everything that has happened to me. And you, you're reminding me of the fact of how miserable I am. So, yeah. And then the the rest of the, the minute is pretty much the same. So it's just a few minor discrepancies there, but it, it still works. It's interesting. I think that's almost because we mentioned this a, a couple of days ago. I think it's, it's it's not quite in the same way, but it's almost another case of him kind of feeling sorry for himself that they've removed. I think they've removed that whole gist of it. Again, I wonder if it makes him feel less sympathetic and they just they, it was just a little trim to kind of lose another another um, yep. sense of that. Definitely possible. No way of knowing. All right. So every Friday we have a segment called Weekend Candy where my guest will give their top five performances of John Candy. So, David, why don't you hit us with your top five John Candy performances? Uh, yeah, this is this is another one where um, the only problem I had with this was uh, I realized I've not I, I I've always kind of seen thought of myself as a, a John Candy fan because I think mainly when I was a kid when his films were coming out I loved them I, I used to watch all of them um, but. Um, but when I came to look at the list, I realized I haven't seen most of them for ages. So it was, it was hard to kind of judge them against each other. But the list I've come up with, I've gone the number five. I've gone with Spaceballs. It's, it's a film a film I have fond memories with, um, but it's a little lower down. Oh, sorry. But it's a little lower down. Um, I, I don't think John Candy's quite as memorable here as he is maybe in some other titles. But I, I love the film, so I wanted to get that on the list. Uh, number okay. four, The Great number four, the great Outdoors. Um I, I, I've, again, another one I've not seen for a long time, but um, but I, I used to enjoy it quite a lot as a kid. It was on TV quite a lot, uh, and uh, yeah, it's another good fun one. Another one, number three, I've gone with Cool Runnings. 
and uh, yeah, it's a very fun, fun movie about Jamaican bobsledding team. <laughs> I stuck that in there. And John Candy again, another winning performance. And uh, number two, I'm going to go back with Uncle Buck, which I brought up earlier in my favourite John Hughes films. It's another one that I just have fond memories of. I used to watch it quite a lot as a kid. It was another one that was on TV all the time. And uh, and John Candy's brilliant. That is, it, it's kind of it. It's it gets all kind of sides of him there. The, the uh, brilliant comic performance, but also kind of that friendly kind of every man. Uh, uh, he he has a kind of level of innocence about him, even if he does often does the wrong things. Or his characters characters do, and uh, it gets that it gets that spot on an Uncle Buck. But number one is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I I think John Candy is brilliant in this film. There's a lot of subtlety there. It's not just about gags. Um, he's a really uh, sympathetic character, uh, not just a warm character, but it's quite a, there's, there's quite a, a melancholy and a sadness to him that really he gets across quite subtly. I mean, there's there's a few less subtle moments in here, um, but it's 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 just a, a, fan, a fantastic performance. I, I, I want to point out some favourite scenes, but uh, I, they're coming later on in the, uh, in the series. I probably won't, but um, but he, he just has some really beautiful moments. Um, and uh, I do think it's his best his best performance um, in this film that I, that I remember. As I say, it's been a while, but I, I just think he really <laughs> nails it. I think there's more. It it it's got an, it's got layers to it. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, and I think it's partly down to the performances. And uh, and I think Steve Martin's brilliant, but I would actually give John Candy the slight edge in this film. I think I think he he really delivers quite a lot. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a tough one to answer. Which, yeah. which of the two of them is better here? Because I, I think they're both amazing in this movie. Mm. So yeah, and, but you know, I, maybe I don't need to decide because <laughs> no, no. because we get them both. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So every day we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either my guest or myself give a little story about an adventure or misadventure that might have happened to us along the way. So David, you got one last one for us to to keep people. Wanting to come back on on Monday for for more. <laughs> okay, guys, it's not an exciting story this one, but this one, this is just a story. It's just something that's when you when I think about traveling, there's just one kind of little moment that just stays in my mind, and and this is more. I wanted to leave this as the last one because uh, the the last show I'm going to be on is um, it, it's 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 a memory I have of a kind of a bad travel experience that we turned into a good one. So I'm going to end on a positive note. But yeah, basically, I can't remember where we were going, but I was traveling again with my brother. I'm very close to my brother. We do we do lots of, we, well, we don't do as much together these days. We used to. And um, it was, I was with my brother and some of his friends traveling down south. And we're on the motorway, or the highway as they, they call it in the States. And it was absolute full on, literally static traffic we just got totally stuck there's an accident or something weren't moving at all and usually that's just hell um and it was a really hot day so hell would be a good description uh but we we just made the most of it because as i say it was just like a bunch of friends we were all in a uh either i was i think i was probably 18 or something like that and the, the other guys were like 19 20 so young guys uh hadn't done a lot of traveling in in our own cars um and we just made the most of it. We, we just we cranked the music up loud. If I remember correctly, at least one of the albums we listened to was the Prodigy's Fat of the Land album when it just came out. Cranked up the dance music loud, had the windows open. We just got out of the car and we were sat on the bonnet and stuff. And just uh, I just remember it. it was a blazing hot sun and we just made the most of it. We, we just did a bit of sunbathing. We had the music out. 
we just enjoyed ourselves and uh despite it being a real crappy kind of potentially crappy drive um so yeah that always always kind of sticks in my mind that wow way. sounds like fun can't really can't really complain about that sounds great yeah. all right great so David, would you like to once again for one final time tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, if you want to uh, check out my reviews and the reviews of the pool of writers that write for my site, um, just head over to blueprintreview.co.uk. All right, excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. To find me, just do a quick search in your favorite search engine for Movie Rob Bennett. You'll be able to find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can find my website. So, I want to thank David for 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 joining me this this week. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, everyone listening has also enjoyed what we're what we're talking about. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. I said, uh, yeah, it's right, a pleasure. Great. And until Monday, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs>